Hi, it's me. I'm an idiot. I mentioned Spencer Knight potentially getting some starts in the Florida-Boston series, completely forgetting he entered the NHL Player Assistance Program back in February. Um, I do feel really bad about that. So I want to apologize up front, and when you hear Spencer Knight's name from my mouth, just insert Alex Lyon, and also know that we're keeping Spencer's health and happiness in our thoughts. Warning, the following podcast may contain language that some listeners may find offensive or confusing or intriguing. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the 3v3 podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. This week has sucked. Um... I only ever met Andy. I had been passing it a couple times, but always, always was just one of the most genial, um, intelligent, thoughtful, caring guys. I'd, I'd actually watch him sort of reach out to someone and ask if they were okay. And um, a massive part of the hockey community in Saturday, or a massive hockey uh, part of the hockey community in Seattle. Um, it's just, it's just that horrible universe taking him away as the peak, you know, as we, as we were sort of reaching the precipice of something that he and, and John Barr and, and others had worked so hard to bring here, um, you know, with their passion, their de- their dedication, their writing, their... I mean, Andy spent so much time covering T-Birds and doing... And was part of their broadcasts. Um, uh, he was fantastic on TV. You could tell he was a little uncomfortable, but he was still really good. Um, and it's just, you know, to have them sort of in that playoff race and clinch a playoff spot and have him suffer a stroke and then pass away a couple weeks later before he even got to see the the first playoff game of the team that he just dreamt of working for uh, a, a local NHL franchise is, is it's just it makes me want to throw a middle finger out to the universe you know you don't do that to people especially guys like that um Love your family, hug your friends, tell your friends you love them, because you just never know. You just never know. Um, it's a massive hole in this community. He was he was the biggest drum banger for the WHL around here that I'd seen in quite some time. Um, always leveraged his platforms to talk about the Thunderbirds and taking digs at the silver tips and all the other, um, the Tri-City Americans, the Spokane Chiefs, you know. But, yeah, I just, it infuri- it infuriates me that the universe would do this to somebody like him, you know, when they're, when they'd worked so hard to, on a dream, you know, to and, and they got to fulfill part of that dream. And the second part was, you know, I know for a fact he was unbelievably stoked about getting to do playoff coverage. And that's just like, you know, that was his, that was his, um, that was his, you know, Mount Everest of, of 
it was his Mount Everest of of wishes. So yeah. I met him once. Um, so 2013, I had quit my job to go back to Washington to help out my parents. Elderly things were askew. Anyway. Uh, and so while I was there, they had a, a, a get together at the Angry Beaver, um, you know, to promote bringing um, an NHL team to Seattle. So nicest guy, again, like you, Pat, Patrick, I did not you know, know him well. Um, and, but I, you know, I talked with him on Twitter periodically and he was, he was hilarious and just the nicest guy, always had time for everybody, um, loved hockey dearly. And I mean, all I can say is that, and I realize this traumatized everybody around him, but at least he went out doing something that he loved. Um, he had the stroke at the, in the press box in, uh, Seattle, um, and went straight to the hospital from there. So not great for anyone else involved. I, I realize, um, I'm sure people are traumatized by that and will be for the rest of their lives. Uh, but he went out, you know, doing what he loved. So, I mean, that's something I think. I never had the pleasure of meeting him, but I was certainly aware of, and it did consume his work quite regularly as a East Coast Kraken follower. For all the things that, all the ammunition we have to complain about the hockey universe in uh, on our week-to-week, uh, also provides us some of the great things. And just the stories I've heard about Andy in the past days, including both yours, Patrick and Cassie, it's just it's just a testament to the amount of good, just genuine, decent human beings that are in and around this game that sometimes we take for granted and don't put up on the pedestals that they truly deserve. They don't get the spotlight because they're not the noisemakers. Mm-hmm. And I nor mean, do they want the spotlight. They they are there to make a contribution, make things better, and just sit back and enjoy it with the rest of us. Be passionate about what they're doing and try and do it in a fun way. Um, I mean, I was I I, <laughs> I do I do absolutely adore uh the the sound of hockey guys um but that does but it doesn't you know to some people it doesn't come across that way because i i am like the chihuahua always nipping at their heels right um because i i love them so much you know i like to make sure that i'm 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 doing what i think i should do to try and keep them a little honest um you know and it's I a make, Pacific. That's a Pacific Northwest thing because I've been I've been uh, uh, accused of being overly pessimistic about things that I enjoy and I like, and I'm like, no, I just want it to be better. Well, it's <laughs> it's I 
I, it's not that I think that you know it, it could be better one way or the other. It's just that it, sometimes I have to play devil's advocate because right. you know I just feel like I need to um, you know specifically. I mean, if we were to pick one subject, it would be the handling of Shane Wright for me. You know, the, they have absolutely fault injected the canine on the handling of Shane Wright this year, and I had no problem sort of poking at those guys saying, you know, I get your, I get your, you know, you, you're getting stuff from Francis and, and, and Haxtell, but you know, eh, you know, I don't, don't always take what you're fed type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and, but it was never, you know, unlike most of the trolls on Twitter, I, I do it with a wink and a nudge and it's not about them. It's, just about the subject they're fantastic people they're you know they're unbelievably caring and and passionate and you know genuinely nice people um i have absolutely nothing but the utmost respect for for them but damn it i'm you know sometimes i gotta sometimes i gotta nip your heels and go guys come on you know you know, don't don't get don't get too far down the rabbit hole. You know, don't become state sponsored media. Um, you know, too many too many other formerly great sort of independent podcasts and blogs have you know sort of fallen into the trap of becoming state sponsored media because there's that whole fear of access thing, right? And I think if anything, the Kraken have shown that they're not. They're not. They have not demonstrated anything that would lead me to believe that they would yank access from anyone if they, um, you know, if they. If they thought the criticism was fair. Was was valid and fair. Yeah. 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 I mean, because I did that with the lightning, and I got I got the uh, I got some people upset with that, so that the media relations guy contacted me a couple of times and was like. So could you explain this? We need a bit more background. And I'm like, huh, I wonder who's asking you to ask me. But um, but yeah, as long as I was <laughs> fair of my criticism and they understood where I was coming from, they were fine. But at the same time, I'm not, they're not paying me. So <laughs> yeah, I'm not. What, so there's always a that familiar, line. <laughs> what a familiar story, Cassie. I have never, oh, oh yes, I have had that exact same experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, to you know, and so, so somewhat of a of a completely unrelated yet somewhat related um, uh, story to this is I went in to buy a car a number of years ago, and this was when the the fad of having the dealership badge placed on the car. Mm-hmm. And when we were negotiating, I, it was a car. It was a car I kind of wanted, but um, when we were negotiating, and I said, "Okay, great. So we're going to deduct forty thousand dollars off the price of that car." And they said, "Why?" And I said, "Well, because I'm an advertising billboard for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I figure I drive this many miles on these freeways with your badge on the back of my car." So, because I'd worked, in, I worked in advertising, so I know about rate books and everything. Mm-hmm. So I actually, you know, I actually did a rough calculation, and I said, you know, okay, so over the, you know, over the five years or six years that this car, you know, the life of the loan type thing, um, 
I figure you're gonna you're gonna hit this many customers that are gonna see that badge on the back of the car, so I want the price deducted by that much. Well, we can't do that. Well, I guess I can't buy this car. And and I literally have walked away from deals like that before, you know. To so how does this relate to you? It's like I would I would be a person in that situation, Cassie. I'd be like, Well, that sounds great. Um, when do I get my first paycheck? Yeah, no, I was I was very I was very polite and very but very much unimpressed. <laughs> They're like, so you know, could so so maybe you should consider changing that. And I'm like, you know, I appreciate your feedback, but no. <laughs> I'm not doing that for you. I don't care. It's like if you if you pull our access, I don't care. I am not being paid by you and you are not gonna get your way. And you know, it's like I have no problem saying no to people, especially if I deem what they're doing to be unfair. So, you know, consequences, whatever. I, I can live yeah. with those. So anyway, back to your sound of hockey guy's story. I, I interrupted. No, I no 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 no. I no. I I was kind of you know, I I'm sort of off in the weeds because it. I, like I said, I don't have, you know, I, I'm not friends with theirs, you know, I'm not, well, I'm not getting called over to their house, you know, you know, to, to do anything or, or hanging out with them or anything, but, um, just as a fan of his work and, and someone, you know, who understands who he was, um, that's just, you know, there's that hole, you know, it, this, you know, it's that, it's that familial bond type thing. The Pacific Northwest, you know, Seattle hockey community is not massive. I don't care what anybody tells you. It is not massive. There is a lot of very, very, very passionate people out there. Um, it's getting bigger. Obviously, if the Kraken have been here, it's growing. But, you know, those guys were and still are, you know, the 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 flag bearers for kind of everything good about this area when it comes to hockey, you know, even though I, w I won't get into it, even though they're not from here, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. They've, they've acclimated themselves, you know, they all know how to say Puyallup up and squim. So, you know, um, it just leaves that hole, you know, it, it really does. There, there's just some gap. And especially, like I said, you know, that, that WHL coverage, seeing him on the, on the broadcast was just always a giggle. Now, you know, I mean, and you know, it's, it's a huge gap when teams aren't just sending out their condolences, but teams are actually donating to his GoFundMe to yeah. pay for his, his bills. Right. And not just teams, but like individuals who work for teams, the Seattle Thunderbirds and good on them were the biggest donors of his GoFundMe by dropping $10,000 in there. Yeah. And that's, that's a pretty big chunk of change for anybody. Um, and so, you know, and the, the Laiwiki family was like contributing, you know, and there's just so many people that didn't have to, right? I mean, he's just a member of the media. Yeah, he was part of the hockey community. And, but, you know, a few kind words was, is pretty much all you get for most, you know, media personnel in most teams. But, you know, Todd Lightwicky did a, um, uh, a bit of end of season interview thing the other day. And, and he mentioned Andy Ide and he was really upset. Yeah. 
You know, he was genuinely upset by the whole thing. And and Todd Lewicki has only been in the Seattle area for like three or four years. So that's how much of an impact this man had on the hockey community in Seattle that not just people who knew him are like, how are we going to get, you know, through life with this big hole in our life? But it's also the people who have moved here recently, the people that he worked with, the teams that he worked with, you know, they're all like devastated too. It's, it speaks, your legacy speaks to who you are and who you were. And, you know, when, when everything blew up to see the, like you said, you know, the Lywickies, Ron Francis, um, the Thunderbirds, John Forslund, you know, most of the people on the Roots crew, everybody chipping in, um, you know, whatever they could. I'm not, I'm not going to sit there and gauge by, by dollar, but to, if you want to scale, you know, impact by that, this is a WHL franchise pulling together 10 grand for him that, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that spoke volumes to me. Not the Um, owner, the franchise. the franchise. Yeah. So, you know, his, if there's anything to take comfort in is that everybody in the Seattle hockey community is going to remember his impact and they're going to be able to point to him and, and either have a funny story or say, I loved his work. Um, you know, he was really insightful, um, without being condescending, you know, he was carrying all, you know, you could, you could feel his humor in his writing. Um, all the important things about a person. Exactly. So, um, hard left turn or hard right turn? Because open skates always have you turning to your left. I say we go to the right. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's a good point. Ron Hextile and Brian Burke. Talk about <laughs> sacrifices to to the Yinzers. Um, was I shocked that they were fired? Eh. Was I disappointed that they were fired? Yes. Is it going to make things better? No. They barely had two years in office, and what the hell is anyone supposed to do in two years with a franchise that has no prospect pool, very little draft capital, a a core that is closer to wheelchairs than BMX wheelies, and you know basically three guys and a cast of and a cast of um, many. They couldn't, you know, you set me down as the general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins. I look at that, you know, the old mother Hubbard went to the cupboard and boy, that cupboard wasn't bare. It wasn't there. There was nothing, no cupboard, no nothing. And you tell me to build a Stanley Cup winning franchise. What the hell is anyone supposed to do? I mean, the way that that team's set up right now, there's no way they can win a cup anytime soon. Like they can barely make playoffs at this point. 
um, obviously, <laughs> you know, came out, came down to the day before the last game of the season. Uh, and yeah, it's like all they really needed to like, just push them a little bit over that, that top to get into the first round. All they really needed was a defender, maybe two to upgrade what they had and they could have gotten into the first round, but nothing was done. Um, and this is after watching this team repeatedly go up by multiple goals into the third period only to lose the game, right? And that's that comes down to defense. And, of course, since nobody knows what defense looks like in the NHL, that's just the way that played out. But, um, but yeah, you know, it, it, Sidney Crosby is going to end his career the way that he started it on a team in a rebuild. Let me ask you this, Cassie. Hmm. What do you give up to go get this magical defender? I mean, and that's the question, right? right. It's like you basically have to give give up what you already have in hopes that a one for one trade is going to get you better. You're gonna right. have to. You're either gonna have to package something, you know, uh, something out of your prospect system or something off your current roster. And more draft capital to go get a defender to do what with? Barely make the playoffs and just barely squeak into the, you know, do right. something in the, you know, for two home game, for two home games, you know. So it's enough to keep your job, but that's about it. Would it have if been you're GM? I think so. I think that I think that Hextall would have gotten another year if they managed to squeak into playoffs. See, I don't. I think had the Penguins not been sold, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. But there were two different people, quote-unquote, uh, with their hands on the wheel during Hextall. And let's be honest, what did Brian Burke really do there? I don't think anyone knew. Probably told Hextall what to do. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit, but ultimately two different directions. I think Mario and company gave them a little bit of you have to resign these three play or two players being Malkin and Latang, and you have to work playoffs every year. I don't think they were given any direction or, or guidance or this is what we want you to do from the new owners. Because I think the minute they took over, their fates were sealed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, and I'm wondering if, if uh, you know, when they hire new GMs or, you know, hockey ops presidents or whatever it was Brian Burke did, you know, they like to clean house and bring, quote unquote, bring in their own people. And so even though Sullivan wasn't fired this time around, um, I kind of expect him to be replaced as soon as a new GM comes in. I don't. Because that- I, and the only way that he wouldn't because is if ownership said, no, you can't, he, he is untouchable right now. You cannot do anything with him. Because ownership. again, hockey likes to have their, quote unquote, their own people. So ownership has apparently put um, the head coach on the 
hiring committee, quote unquote, mm -hmm. to help mm -hmm. find the next general manager. Yeah, but you know um, how hockey works. They like they like doing things like that and then turning around and firing the guy who who helped. So I should be totally paranoid that I've been asked to be part of interview loops this week <laughs> at my no. current job. No, because you don't work in hockey. It's okay. Oh, um, I, I'll, I'll be, I was going to say yes, because hiring is ugh, I know, arduous. I being a part of interviews. Um, Jane, you ignorant. No, I won't do it. Um, I think Sullivan has as much air cover from ownership as probably any coach outside of John Cooper. I mean, I would think so, but uh. <laughs> and I and I say that and I say this because I would almost guarantee you his relationship with Malkin, Crosby, and Latang is paramount. Probably at this point. Again, almost would have to be right. Right. And the way that he has coached this team in the past drive success based on certain metrics and the ownership group based on their experience in major league baseball loves looking at metrics to determine whether, okay, we're on the right path or not. So uh, while, while Cassie, I think in even normal hockey situations, you would be a hundred percent correct. I think this one is one of those. It's like, uh, I think the head coach is there as long as the head coach wants to be there unless there is a seismic shift in in attitudes at the ownership level. And that I may think we need the yeah, I think we need to know who the first or the next general manager under this regime is and if there happens to be a president. Or is that person one and the same? Because the the one thing that is very true to hockey form is they are going to ride Crosby and Malkin. I mean, they already have ridden them, right? They're that they are foaming, you know. They're they're saturated in sweat, lathered. <laughs> they're they're completely freaking lathered and about ready to keel over. <laughs> and they're going to. I don't know because they both played 82 games this season. It's, somebody made a big deal about that on Twitter. It's like they're together for the first. I don't know. It was just it was kind like of like, first, oh, well, all right. It's like the first time in like 10 years, I think they'd both played the full seasons. Right. Every single and, game. Yeah. But, you know, when one was out, they rode the other one harder, right? Yeah. And what's, you know, um, what's Jeffrey. Jeffrey Merrick's one of Jeffrey Merrick's favorite sayings: "Time's undefeated." Not that it's just his saying, but you know, time is undefeated, mm -hmm. and they are getting it. Well, Patrick, just fighting. remember, just remember, greatness borrows and genius steals. Everyone's a thief and a magpie. Yeah. I mean, unless their unless their last name is Pavelski, um, you know. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what's going to cause those guys to have a, a quote-unquote renaissance. Not that they had bad years. By far and away, they both had they both had really good years. But they are not 28 and can't carry, you know, the 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 bag of stuffed animals that is the rest of their team. 
And they just don't see any way for them to get any help. You know, Jeff Jeff Carter is being held together by duct tape, bubble gum, and a prayer. You know, Jason Zucker has dropped off the face of the planet. What the hell else is there? So until ownership wakes up and and says, oh, boy, we're going to have to ride this out. And let's and let's the next GM build up draft capital and gets off this. I won't call it idiotic. Um, I will call it delusional mindset that as long as they've got Crosby and Malkin, they should go for it every year. Because, yeah. You've already robbed Peter to pay Paul to rob Peter to pay Paul to rob Paul to pay Peter back for robbing so many times that nobody knows who's got any money left. So I will thoroughly enjoy watching this franchise implode next season. Um, This summer, I'm sure there's going to be some... Lots of turnover this summer in terms of that roster. Assuming they get a GM, assuming, assuming they get get Dubas. <laughs> well, so okay, great. So the, okay, uh, we, we, the, we went there. The I did Pittsburgh go there. Greyhounds. <laughs> the Pittsburgh Greyhounds. What? Well, okay, you know, Penn and Teller couldn't even pull off a magic trick with this. No, because... I know. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. Is that? Is it? Whoever comes in this summer, Dubis or whoever, there's not going to be a quick turnaround. They're either going to have to gut the team or they're going to have to leave it as it is and just struggle along as they build up, you know, draft, draft and prospect picks and things like that. So, so there's one of two ways to fix Pittsburgh, right? It's to trade all that you have in hopes of getting something better, which is probably not going to happen. They'll end up either trading worse or trading the same. Or two, just leaving the roster as it is or trading key players in outside of Crosby, basically. Um, I mean, honestly, who's who Latang and Malkin, I'm sure are on the market. I'm not. I think it's going to depend on the GM. I don't, I mean, obviously everybody wants to keep them together because Crosby wants to keep them together. Right. But can they legitimately, can they keep those three guys together and still make it still improve that team? No. Can they afford to give them away? That's the other way to look at it too. Right. I don't think they can do either. And you've also, and, and a lot of people don't remember but one of the things that came out of the Hextall hiring, the Hextall and Burke hiring, was there was a mandate from ownership. You, these three are effectively untouchable. You can do anything else you want. Don't even come to us and ask about these three. I don't right. think so, that's changed. So what? So what they're looking at then is a five to five-year rebuild at the minimum. Stocking, you know, using their draft picks wisely, trying to get like good prospects, develop a prospect pool, and try to like do the young younger thing to get better. And with the next GM, and by God, good luck with that. 
<laughs> this this is a franchise that has a history of let's 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 gut everything go for a run you know to run for the cup this year and you know and yeah I say they so twiddle Cassie, their thumbs until until Crosby retires. If I hear what you're saying correctly, the Pittsburgh Penguins need a general manager like Ron Hextall who wants to do a rebuild the right way. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Huh. <laughs> In the way he was allowed to. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. To, so right back to your point earlier, their their fates were sealed when they signed the contracts for those jobs. They were doomed. Because Hextall wanted to Rebuild the franchise, re restock the cupboard, help build the cupboards, put stuff in the cupboards so that when he went to the cupboards, there was something to get, and was effectively put in a position where that was going to be impossible to do. Unlike the Flyers, because remember what was it? Probably like five, six years ago. Who you know? Who was sitting there near the top of the rankings of the prospect pool of the you know of the NHL? Everyone was raving about the Flyers prospect pool. What the hell happened? Oh yeah, that's right. They dumped a lot of it. They dumped a lot of it, or they rushed players up. up. Yep. And now they're uh, average and or below league yep. players. Yep. Like. News coming out of Detroit in their end of season. Iserman is talking about we don't have the organizational depth. We're not. We don't have the players at the minor league level. Why? Why should that be a concern for a team that's rebuilding and trying to make their their NHL club good? That's how you make your NHL because, club good. <laughs> it doesn't make your NHL club good, but when your NHL club is already strung together with enough ifs, if this goes right for us, if everyone stays healthy, if these things hit, the bigger the disaster we're waiting to happen. And maybe, just maybe, a few players in your minor league system, a la, oh, I don't know, an Alex Lyon. You have just enough depth to help steer this ship they're they're not putting you over the top but they can help it from completely imploding and crosby and malkin both played 82 games this season they did as much as they could to keep that thing from imploding but mm -hmm. they are not the ones that can drive they're not the ones working in the engine room they, Crosby is no longer the team savior he was ten years ago. Well, yeah, that's what, and that's that's, what that's not his fault. He no. he can't control no. that. That's just that's time. Yeah, you know, if but by goodness, he can be the greatest complimentary player next to Leon Dreisaitl. Oh wait, I'm sorry, I said complimentary. That's not what Dreisaitl is. Edmonton media. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Oh, huh. hi, Pat. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear God in heaven. How, yeah. 
Boy, the, you well, want to talk about the complete opposite of our discussion about Andy Ide. Let's talk about the Edmonton media. Oh, Not. God, no. <laughs> we'll just walk away from that. <clears throat> so. Would you want? Would you all like to play a little game? Oh, like what the hell? Play a game. <laughs> Shall we play a game? I, I'm going to offer you six names of players bound for the playoffs. And their grouping may or may make sense as we do one or two of these. But I'd like you to give me your prediction. Which player do you think will have the most points come the end of the postseason? I have Kyle already. Yamamoto. Anthony Duclair. Capo Caco, Eli Tolvanen, Kali Yarncrock, Yarncrock, excuse me, and Riley Smith. Anthony Duclair. I would say Duclair and then Yamamoto. Okay, Cassie, let me come to you first. Why Duclair? Uh... God, I actually have to think. <laughs> I can't just like spit things out and, and let you and, and you guys like pat me on the back and move on. Um. Well, I mean, there are two acceptable answers. One is because he's the Duke. Exactly. And then I'm sure there's a more nuanced answer. Uh, because he's got better people around him. <laughs> Which is an acceptable answer as well. Okay, there you go. Yes. <laughs> and then you said declare followed by Yamamoto, Patrick. Mm-hmm. Mm. Do declare because I think he's in a better overall line situation, but also he is um he is a capable play exploder because he's got that speed. Um, and likely also going to be pretty damn hungry because um, he had a pretty good playoff. I mean, it wasn't spectacular, but he had a pretty good playoff run last year. Yamamoto, even out there with Dreisaitl, is sort of the third wheel on that line. So, um, you know, I freaking love the kid because, you know, he's five foot nothing, 100 nothing, and goes and parks in front of the net and gets beaten, you know, he, he reminds me a little bit, very little bit, of like a Brennan Gallagher, right? Um, I think he's got better skill than Gallagher, but he's not a fantastic finisher. He's, at least he's not consistently shown to be a fantastic finisher, um, which is why I think Duclair ekes him out because Duclair's a better finisher. But Yamamoto is going to get his is cookies, apples, points, peas, carrots, whatever you want to call these things, whatever clever little hockey vernacular you want to use. Um, oh, that's clever? Yeah, we'll do it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a conversation for another day. Um, he's going to get his points um, because he's going to be making himself available. But I, think, I just think Duclair's got just that little bit more than him. Plus, I love the Duke. 
<laughs> so this is the second consecutive offseason. I'm, I'm participating in this um, playoff box pool where I, basically I have 20 some odd positions. Um, let's see here. 10 wing. Oh, no. 26, 10 centers, 10 wingers, and six defensemen, kind of grouped by, okay, here's your place in your team's respected lineup. And you mix up the teams and the conferences. And you got to pick one from each group just to see, all right, how many points you can get. And that one was just real interesting to me because it's a matter of who do you think is actually going to either put up a ton of points in a potential seven-game series or advance like Duclair, or who's that third line guy, or in Yamamoto's case, the second liner, or who's really the third fiddle, who's just going to all of a sudden go on a bit of a tear because their team has the potential to go four rounds. Wait, 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 wait. So we're helping you figure out your fantasy playoff team? Yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay, I just wanted to make sure we're all on the same page. Yeah, I mean, you, you both talked me out of Riley Smith because it was a matter of do the Golden Knights advance to the conference final again this year? See, the, the uh, thing, I don't think so. I don't know. But the thing with the thing with Vegas is it is a committee. It is. So he is not going to lead anything in anywhere unless it's, you know, unless it's one of these magical John Drews type seasons. And boy, there's a way back machine for you kids. If you don't know <laughs> the story of John, number Drews. 26 yeah. in your programs, number one in uh, goal scoring, um, great falls <laughs> or Adirondack phantoms history. Oh. <laughs> Screw you, Jeff Merrick. We got Pat. <laughs> Man, Pat going deep. I can I can name a guy. But so so I wanted to bring up the, those six names in particular because outside of Edmonton, I'm having a tough time picking a team I think can make it to the conference final. And that's kind of how I judge. All right, are you going to put up a ton of points in a seven game series, or is your team going to make it far? Edmonton's kind of the only one I could see doing both. The the monkey wrench in that whole thing. The monkey wrench in that whole. Actually, no, I won't even call it a monkey wrench. This is going to be one of those. Kelly Yarncrock was was the the ears perked up type moment for me because yeah. he fits everywhere in that lineup. He produces almost everywhere in that lineup. If that team gets out of the first round, then you may have something. Mm-hmm. But it's a big if. If. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's the only one I'd be like, mm, yeah. Otherwise, yeah, I'd probably I'd probably take Duclair and Yamamoto. I don't think I don't think Florida is going to make it that far although i will be happy to be wrong um so then okay they're playing boston they can 
beat Boston, in my I humble opinion. Well, no, so that's that's my my kind of question, I guess, is that um, teams that do well in the regular season rarely do as well in the postseason. I know, but man, that team looked like just I I've seen those teams, right? I obviously, you know, most of us saw the Tampa Bay Lightning 62 win team, right? Mm -hmm. They looked great, but I don't think they were as deep as his Bruins team is. That Detroit team was. They just ran into a buzzsaw in Colorado. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Cassie. Boston's... Take, pick your poison, Swayman or Allmark, right? And they they just seem to churn in guys... Now, granted, it's the playoffs that we all know the playoffs is going to be a little bit different, but they were able just to plug in, you know, the Mark Donks and the Bluzz Flipperjits into their lineup at a few points and still just kind of churn along. Um, uh, I don't know, but, but, to, but to your point, I think if Spencer Knight is Spencer Knight, that series gets terribly interesting. But we are not going to see Spencer Knight. Oh, I would bet money we will. Interesting. So yeah, Florida... Bergeron's out game one, right? Uh, oh, is that TBT. It's, it's all but a done deal from what I understand. They're they're still leaving a little wiggle room just in case, but it's basically he's probably out game one. They which by the time this goes on goes live, game we'll one have will have already ha happened. But we hope yeah. you enjoyed it. Yeah. Or or what, what or it, did it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're sorry for your loss. We're glad. We're excited you won. Um, <laughs> depending on your side of the coin. Uh, I don't think that's going to hurt them that much because they're just, I don't know. They had a ridiculous goal differential, but outside of Pasternak, it was almost by committee again, right? Mm-hmm. And those are the teams that should frighten everyone. Outs unless, their unless their name or the Edmonton Oilers, then they should just frighten you because, Jesus, McDavid and Drysaddle should frighten everyone regardless. Oh, the top six gets you in, the bottom six gets you wins, and if you've got a lineup that's got bottom six people producing during the regular season, your top six generally, you know, negate each other, and your bottom six steps up to the line, and boy howdy, Austin's got a pretty good bottom six. They do, but do I like Florida's better. I'm not going to disagree with you. That's kind of why I'm, you know, I'm hedging my bets. Florida feels like the LA Kings from 2012. Not talented enough to win the cup, but massively underwhelming during the regular season, but got going at just the right time. Yeah, the snowball started down the mountain a couple months ago for them. And yeah. You know, I I love these people that say momentum doesn't count for anything. No, I am sorry. 
when you wake up and you got a little spring in your step and and you know a little bit more more Joe in your mo, um, yeah, it does. I mean, then explain the hot goaltender syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. It's easy when the routine is very regimented. The travel is predictable. It's not quite as often as a regular season. You're not practicing as hard. If you're if, practicing at all. Yeah. No, or, you're just going through the motions just to keep your... You're getting well, a sweat. I mean, in some cases, like for later in a series or later in like, you know, playoffs, they'll just get practice all together and just do like video. Yeah. Well, they'll go out and get a sweat on. You know? Some. It'll be yeah. optional. Yeah. yeah. It's it's like it's like pitching on it's like the pitchers on off days, right? They go out, they're 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 limited to throwing a certain number of balls just to keep things limber so you don't tighten up too much by not doing anything, you know. Right. So they'll, you know, and then it'll devolve into video sessions. But um, I don't know. That's they they are they are that dark horse, I think, in the playoffs to me in the East. Florida. Yeah, I think they are in the first round. With well, Boston. If, they, if they get past the first round um I got. I got to be honest with you, Cassie. If they get per, past the first round and it's with Bobrovsky, it might be lights out. That is a good qualifying point with Bobrovsky. If the because I think Lions starts the series, and then they go to Bobrovsky, knowing okay, it's his. It, it's his series from this point on. Yeah. If. Yeah. If they get out of the first round and it's Bobrovsky, I think their path is all the way to the conference final. So whoever wins, I think. So it's whoever wins Boston, Florida, no. ends up in the conference final. No, I just, I just think. Or just Florida. I just think it's that. I, I think if Florida wins, that opens the gateway for them. That's a path. That's a path killer right there. Um. New York and New Jersey are going to beat the ever-living crap out of one another. and mm-hmm. Happily. As, <laughs> and, as, and as fun and as lovely as those teams are, and I enjoy watching them greatly, I think they're going to be contenders. I don't think they're there yet. Um, you know, outside of Shesterkin, I don't uh, – there are question marks in New, Jer- or New York, and New Jersey's still got a few little question marks here and there. I'm not saying Florida doesn't, but – there's there's a sense of um, anger, I think, in Florida because the whole President's Cup thing last year, and they're getting bounced as thoroughly as they did. Um, you know, there's that there's that experience factor, and the the Kachuk trade is going to be very interesting to watch play out. Um, I I think Toronto and Tampa. Toronto is going to be just, you know, if they get past, they're going to be throwing parades. And they're just, that's a team that is just going to be like, okay, now what do we do? Because they will not have any experience in getting past the first round. So it's just going to be like, oh, wait, it gets harder. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Nobody told us. <laughs> yeah, Tampa, I, I don't want to say they're on their last legs, but it kind of feels a little bit like they're on their last legs. And God, I hope so. <laughs> depending on how hard that Toronto series is, they may not be in a position to fight back. But really, with the jerseys, does it really matter which one wins? Because it's basically uh, the same color team anyway. <laughs> it's it's the Tampa Maple. It's the Tampa Maple Wings. Yes. Right. Um. I I, I just without Svechnikov, I don't see Carolina doing much. They can beat the Islanders, but they they could make that run to the Eastern Conference Final and then get swept. Yeah. We've seen the story before. Yeah, and I and, and I the, yeah, I just the think more without, without I think Spetch. about it, I think the cup is between Dallas and Edmonton. Honestly, I don't disagree with you, and I will throw in my one wild card in the West, and you're gonna love this one, Pat. Minnesota. I think I know where you're going. Yeah. Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah, sure you betcha, hey? Yeah. So they're starting Gustafson is what you're telling me. Uh-huh. Oofta. I don't think Flurry's winning a series for them. <laughs> he'll win some games, but uh-huh. not a series. Yeah. I think I think he'll win when he needs to win. But yeah, I uh Dallas Dallas is frightening because Otter. Mm-hmm. LA sure. I, LA is going to be that LA. LA is fun though too. LA is that's here. That's going seven again. I hope so, because I want to see I want to see Quentin Byfield in the playoffs. So bad I can't see straight, and I'm so excited. (laughs) I get to break. I felt weird about wearing my Byfield jersey. Now I don't. (laughs) Wear that sucker with pride this week. Minnesota's just I don't know. It just feels like that magic team. You know, mm-hmm. so the hey. Kraken get the first round, and that's it. They get <laughs> three home games, and that's it. Oh, three. Okay. They've played Colorado pretty tough, and Colorado yeah. is Colorado. I don't know. It's going to depend on the health of those guys. It's it's a two horse race in Colorado. It's McKinnon is peaking at the right time, and the um, the second place finisher for the Connor McDavid Memorial Award uh, <laughs> going to Nico Rantanen. Um, God, he's been good. Who would be on my heart ballot? Yeah, it's just a two horse race there. Yeah, I, uh, it, and I think it's they have those depth players that kind of know what they're doing, but Seattle can't go in a scoring battle against those two. So here's my, here's my hot take. My, uh my hot take for the first round, Seattle beats Colorado. I can see it. I can see it. It's not implausible. (laughs) Cause I think that, I mean, not only, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they have the letdown with Landeskog being out, right? Ratnan has apparently got some injuries that he's like dealing with minor stuff, I think. But you know, they can't really hide that. It's not as minor as they're trying to make it out to be. Uh, 
McKinnon can carry the team to a point. Uh, do they have goaltending that can steal like games? I kind of don't think so. Um, and I think that they're going to everyone. They're going to discount Seattle as like, oh, well, you know, whatever. You know, we got this. It'll be something of a trap series, I think, for them. Yes. Let, let and me. I can see Grubauer, the former Av, mm-hmm. getting into a rhythm against that team and giving like, them fits. So right. that was going to be my question to you, Cassie. Mm-hmm. Between Georgiev and Grubauer, Jones, Decord, Drieger, however many they're go- they'll end up using, because in- invariably one of them will get injured. You know, let's let's wash if McCarr is playing, it's Colorado. If McCarr is not playing, then I think it's a little bit it's a lot tighter. It becomes closer to a wash and it comes down to goaltending. And you're taking Seattle's goaltending over Colorado's. Only because yeah, yes, but only because Grubauer Revenge Tour only okay. gets the chance to do that. And um, Colorado discounting Seattle as a major threat. I see. I would hope Bednar does not do that. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be an overt thing. I don't think people are just going to be like, guy. We got this. I think it's going to be a subconscious thing because it's like a oh, first year team in playoffs. Yeah, they're not going to know what they're doing. It'll be fine. You know, okay. it's it, more of a mental mindset kind of thing where they're not they're not really taking them seriously without realizing they're not taking them seriously kind of thing. But yeah. Okay. I'm all for mind games. It's all good. <laughs> in hockey anyway. <laughs> Wait a minute. A woman who is all for mind games? Get out of here. Only in sports. I, I draw the line. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he says as if men aren't prone to playing the same crap as women. Oh, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> Oh, my God. So, um, yeah, that, okay. I'll, I will say that that could be a pick em. That's my hot take. I say Seattle first round, first first time in playoffs actually goes deeper than everybody thinks they will. Okay. I, I will call that a three-star spicy hot take. You know, okay. It's, it's not the full five-star, you know, so is that is that the the three star white person hot take or is that the three star <laughs> South Asian <laughs> hot take? What sort are we talking about, Cassie? <laughs> what sort are we talking about? <laughs> My best friend in college, her family's South Asian, so I know how this thing works. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! The three started. Three started those white people. It's just like half a bird's eye chili and an entire thing of cashew chicken. <laughs> and they'll be like, "Oh my god, my head's gonna blow off." Yeah. Oh. <sighs> Who's Vegas playing? I forgot already. Seattle, right? Vegas. No, Vegas is playing Winnipeg. Uh-huh. Oh, that's right. The series no one's interested in. Who? Not really, no. Because <laughs> I Winnipeg. mean, Connor Hellebuck against a, Vegas. Yeah, it's. Wait, wait, wait! I have before we 
get into that whole thing. I, I my other question is who is who is the the most hated matchup in the Stanley Cup final out of these eight teams for the media? Oh, for the media. For the media. Oh, well. What would be the worst matchup for the media? Winnipeg. Winnipeg, Carolina. Oh, good call. I was going to go Winnipeg and the Islanders, but Winnipeg, oh, no, you're right. But it's still New York City, it, it, New York City adjacent. Florida, Minnesota? No, Florida, Florida, Dallas. Florida, no, because you got Florida. Yeah, but it's Florida in June. There's, like, they care about that when they're on a golf it, course. I mean, yeah, that's the only plus side of Carolina as well. But there's also there's also like the whole game rating thing, TV ratings, media part of it too. Which is Carolina Winnipeg. I mean, that's a ratings nightmare. Yeah. Even even for you know the sports net overlords. Well, for TNT, too. Yeah. Although, oh, that's you know that's going to be fun. This year is going to be terribly interesting because TNT's got the Cup final this year. Mm-hmm. So we're but they get, can also they can make it work with any combination. And that's and that's kind of what I'm thinking is, you know, everyone complains about, you know, that that matchup you just brought out. Everyone would complain about that matchup, the Winnipeg Carolina being an absolute ratings killer. But it'd be a ratings killer on a on ABC. Because they don't know the other how to interesting stop. things. At least stateside, it doesn't seem like games will be restricted to local broadcasts. Meaning that both ESPN and TNT seem to be covering all eight series. So, interesting you brought that up. Um, I know we're running long. Like we care. (laughs) Long? We have long? (laughs) What the hell's long and short? Um... It was reported earlier this week. Actually, it wasn't reported. It was pretty much stated earlier this week that the Altitude Network, which is owned by the Kroenke family, which owns the Avalanche and the Denver Nuggets, has dropped all rights to exclusivity. So all games will be available to all fans on all platforms that are broadcasting the game. So this is the first quote-unquote regional sports network that has basically given the middle finger to the regional blackouts and said, here you go. On all your streaming platforms. (laughs) Huh? Actually giving fans what they want. I know. Well, this this to me is the first step sort of in that um, uh, probably an a la carte model mm. a true like um that's what i'm looking for uh a true cord unplugged a la carte model for sports so likely you know no more of these blackouts on on youtube tv or um god now i can't remember what the hell's the other one um Ro- not roku um Fubo? Fubo. And those types of things. So that's uh, you know, all these people that are that are wire that are wireless, 
um, aren't going to get dinked anymore when the game is on in their area. Sure, that's anti-sports somehow. Well, I don't think Stan Kroenke and the Kroenke clan care. Because you, you know their lovely history. They're also owner of the Rams in the football world, so <laughs> you know how that works. All right, so sorry for interrupting your your Vegas Winnipeg thing. <laughs> if you would like to revisit that, I, I'm, there you go. <laughs> um, Philip J. Castles in Vegas. This has been the 3B3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3B3 Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.